The following show has been rated. Just use your common sense for heaven's sake, will you? If you think you might be possibly offended by adult themes, coarse humour, and a few cleverly placed expletives, then please, please, please turn off now before it's too late. Go and make yourself some cocoa. You've been warned. Flight by Jen Grey in Glasgow I push on against the snow, hoping that the storm will cover my tracks, conceal from my pursuers the direction I have taken. I pull the shawl more tightly round me, round the baby who is strapped to my front and crying from the cold, oblivious to the fact that this journey is to keep him safe. His fate was decided at the moment of his birth. His fair skin, the damning proof of my betrayal of my husband, so proud of his dark strength. I accepted his angry beatings and the knowledge that I would henceforth be an outcast. But what I did not accept, could not accept, was that my baby, the evidence of my betrayal, had to be killed just as the man who was his father had been killed in the last and fiercest of the battles between our peoples. And so I fled, out into the night and the snow which now swirls mercilessly round me, hiding from me the familiar line that separates the sky from the earth and causing me to lose all sense of direction. Snow blindness and tiredness overcome me, so that I want to fall down, to drift into forgetful sleep. And I'm only prevented from this by the beating of the baby's heart against my breast, spurring me on to stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. by Tony Vale, with Barbara Ashworth as Helen and David Bates as Paul. Oh, good morning, Paul. I've run out of milk again. Come in, I'll get some for you. Um, I'm not after milk, Helen. Oh, it's not a problem. It's what neighbours are for. Are you on the late shift today? I was about to leave for work, but I thought I'd better come round as soon as I heard. 
Heard what? A colleague in traffic division has just called me. It's about Dave. Oh, he left a couple of hours ago. I, I, I know. I heard him go. Helen, would you like to sit down? No, I, I, I wouldn't, Paul. What's all this about? Dave's had an accident. An accident? When? How? His truck jackknifed and went off the road, down an embankment. Oh, I, I must go to him. Where is he? Helen? He Helen? Helen, wait, wait. He's... He's dead. He, he can't be dead. Not my Dave. Well, how do you know? My colleague said that the lorry driver had died. He recognised Dave as a friend and neighbour. Thought it best to let me know, so I could come and tell you in person. Oh, what am I going to do? I'll get more information when I get to the station. I can't... I can't believe that he's gone. I'm always here if you need me. I know, Paul. You've always been a good neighbour to us. Until I messed it up. Oh, you were under a lot of pressure. What with Tracy walking out with the kids. Well, I was glad that you didn't say anything about it to Dave. It would have ruined our friendship. I've always been very fond of you. You're a very attractive woman. Paul, I don't think this is the time to... No, of course not. Sorry. But you are, though. Beautiful, I mean. That's what led to that misunderstanding. You seeing something more in our relationship than actually exists. I'm old enough to be your mother. Could you ever see a future for us? Now that Dave is... What are you saying? Now that Dave's out the way, it gives you the opportunity to step into his shoes. Do you know what the hell I go through four nights a week? Knowing that you're on the other side of that wall, all alone. Oh, stop it, Paul. I know you feel the same. When have I ever given you that impression? Every time I come round here. You always seem glad to see me. <laughs> You're a nice chap and I'm glad of the company, but I've never had any thoughts about being unfaithful to Dave. We, we live for the weekends when he gets back from those continental runs. We enjoy our relationship in every way. But that's not what happened when you come round to my house, was it? But you tricked me into doing that. What do you mean? You knew damn well that you didn't need a babysitter for the kids before you asked me to do it. Tracy had already agreed to have them an extra night. I just wanted to spend some time with you, that's all. When did you get the idea that I wanted that kind of relationship anyway? Oh, don't play the innocent. You're not telling me that those little sunbathing sessions in the garden weren't meant for me. What? You've been spying on me from the upstairs window? But who else would you be showing yourself off for? Who the hell is that? Oh, my God. Oh, Dave, we thought you were dead. Is your time so empty? No. Uh, well, I, I run the office. And... Uh, Tend the cabins and grounds and, and do little uh, errands for my mother. The one she allows I might be capable of doing. Do you go out with friends? 
Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. You've never had an empty moment in your entire life, have you? Only my share. Where are you going? I didn't mean to pry. I'm looking for a private island. What are you running away from? Why do you ask that? No. People never run away from anything. The rain didn't last long, did it? You know what I think? I think that we're all in our private traps, clamped in them, and none of us can ever get out. We scratch and, and claw, but only at the air, only at each other. And for all of it, we never budge an inch. Sometimes we deliberately step into those traps. I was born in mine. I don't mind it anymore. Hi, I'm Stephen Sloss, writer and director of The Loathsome Lampton Worm and other independent audio dramas, and you're listening to the Writer's Block Radio Hour, only on Super Sound Radio. My name is Wayne J. I'm in Columbus, Ohio. Our color television set was an important part of our family. At least, it seemed very important to my dad almost like a window into a world he would have liked to inhabit. We watched a lot of Western TV shows as a family, and I think my dad considered himself to be a town sheriff in the Old West. He was a real disciplinarian, the strong, silent type. My dad always had a presence about him, and I wanted to be like that. But who was I kidding? I could never be a sheriff. Certainly not after the incident with the television. My mom was a sweet woman. She loved us kids, me and my little sister. No, I'm not going to talk about my sister right now. This is my story. Anyway, if my dad was the sheriff in this old west town, then my mom was the schoolmarm. She was gentle and loving. You just wanted to make her proud. But like anybody in the old west, she was also tough. She didn't care for guns, though. And as far as I knew, we didn't have any in the house. But man... My mom could weaponize guilt. And she could shoot it at you without any words at all, just a look. Like being gutshot with a disappointment bullet, one that burned and made you feel guilty for disappointing her. I was the smart kid. Well, that was the mantle everyone put on me. Apparently it was my thing. So eventually I prided myself on being the smart one. Being considered stupid was pretty insulting to me. I was also a good kid, a rule follower. I hated being in trouble. I didn't even know what in trouble was specifically most of the time, but I hated being in it. So if I ever did anything stupid that got me in trouble, man, that was the worst. I think my parents knew that about me. If I ever needed to be disciplined, and it did happen on occasion, it primarily took the form of aggressive disappointment and relentless reminders of my stupidity. Well, that's the way it seemed, anyway. One of my friends was an avid hunter, and I always wanted to go hunting with him. 
My mom despised hunting, and I was never allowed. She didn't want me around guns of any kind. But one summer day, my friend had this BB gun, and he and I went hunting in the woods. Glorious. Here we were, hunting for our food. Bang! Protecting the townsfolk from mountain lions. Bang! Bandits. Bang! And horse thieves. Bang! We were just shooting the heck out of paper targets nailed to trees, or empty cans of National Bohemian beer that high schoolers left behind. Anyway, we shot things until we ran out of BBs and were just shooting puffs of air. No more BANG! Instead, just It was late, and we decided we could buy more BBs tomorrow and come back and save the town some more. Hey, Bob, can I hang on to the rifle till then? Don't let the sheriff or school marm find out. Oh, they'll never know. Late that night, when everyone else was asleep, I went downstairs and got the rifle out of its hiding place and protected the heck out of my own homestead. The gun had no BBs, but you could still cock it like a Winchester repeating rifle and shoot puffs of air. Not as satisfying as hearing a BB pop out, but still. Hey, flower vase. I've had enough of you. Hip shot. Lampshade. Stop rustling those cattle. Behind the back. Oh, television. You've terrorized this town long enough, television. Take aim. Bang! Oh, no. Down at Heel by Stephanie McGill Upon realising I had no idea how to navigate the world anymore, a red mist descended. Next thing I knew, Claire, our neighbour from downstairs, was hammering at the door. I'm on night shifts. I'm exhausted. What the hell are you playing at? Stop this crashing and banging, else I'll report you to the Residents' Association. About to point out that, as president, her opinion held some sway, she hesitated, peered at me, then into the hall. Holy Jesus, Jessica, are you okay? Furniture tipped on its side, debris of vases, ornaments, photographs, the cutlery drawer, pans, a pile of shoes with the heels snapped off, official paperwork. Have you been burgled? I shook my head. Is Richard here with you? I told her he was working overseas. Claire's the type who leaves laminated signs in communal hallways reminding everyone, bin day's Tuesday, not before, or closing the door behind you keeps everyone safe. The latest was... The key to the community cell has been missing eight weeks now. Check your pockets, please. She bustled in. I won't settle knowing you're up here going crackers. Come on, let's get you sorted. I'd forgotten what it was like to converse with anyone but Richard. She asked how we'd got together. Our story tumbled out. At Libby and Mike's wedding, I'd become aware of him staring at me, or rather, my shoes. He scanned over my legs, skirt, bodice, stopping momentarily at the pearls around my throat, arrived at my face. I was staring back. No smiles. He blinked first, meaning he had to come to me. Don't ask me why, but I knew this displeased him. Still, he swept me off my feet, buying me shoes in a sweet shop of colours, vertigo high to accentuate ankles, prevent a getaway. He favoured Christian Louboutin with a blood-red sole. The most uncomfortable shoes in the world, by the way. You can tell a man designed them. As each gift arrived, I was being erased. 
Richard pondered why I'd want a job, now I had him. Were my friends required? Surely he was entertainment enough, and as for my family, well, they'd never understood me. Not like he did. He made me stand facing the wall in just my heels if I defied him, set a ticking timer. His ability to move in silence meant I never knew if he'd left the room. Once I turned round before my time was up, and there he was. Wasn't a mistake I made twice. He worked away, never gave a return date. I dressed in the clothes he chose and left labelled for each day. I ate meals according to the memo board in the kitchen. Sometimes he'd arrive home before I'd worn all the outfits. Sometimes he didn't and then I wasn't sure what to wear. He kept me on my toes. Thankfully, I was allowed Facebook. He set my password. I saw what was happening in everyone's lives. Just wasn't permitted to comment. Nicky, who I'd worked with years ago, shared a post on my wall. A lake, sky, swirly text, you know the type. It read, don't look backwards, you're not going that way. I have no idea why she shared it. That night, his key turned in the lock. He picked out a pair of shoes, told me, you know the drill. I'd had enough. I slipped on a pair of his flip-flops instead. This proved a step too far. Richard, who'd never laid a finger on me physically, now gripped my neck, growling downstairs. March me to the basement, teach me a lesson. After a day or so, he joined me, ensured I was suitably terrified. Once satisfied, he ordered I return to the apartment. And so, well... I looked at Claire. There was a stillness around us. You don't have to put up with this. You understand that, don't you? I'll help you. When's he back? I shrugged. Okay, she said. We kept tidying, methodically restoring order. I hadn't noticed the sun going down. I startled, oh, when Claire switched the light on. I said, sorry. Claire replied, did you say Richard had gone abroad on business? I nodded. She held up his passport. How did he get there? My mouth went dry. Claire clocked the key ring on the hook by the door, picked it up, studied it and asked, Is this the missing key to the cellar, Jessica? Oh, hello again. Just having a barbecue. A few sausages, burgers, that type of thing. I think it's time for a nice drink, though. Probably would have been better if I wasn't sitting in a car. In a busy street. Yeah, you're right. Once again, it's not real. But the sound you heard made you think, didn't they? Radio uses theatre of the mind to connect one-to-one with every single listener. So why not tap into and harness the power of radio advertising for your business? You can find out more. Email supersoundradioscotland at gmail.com. Now, gotta go. I'm just flying a plane. While on the water. On a tropical island. Yeah, that's not real either. Local radio advertising. Give it a try today. To speak to the correct advisor, please listen carefully to the following options. For contracts, press 1. For billing, press 2. For cancellations, press 3. I'm sorry, your selection is invalid. To speak to the correct advisor, please listen carefully three, to the I following press options. Three, I fucking three, you dunny, now your numbers, you I'm sorry, fucking dumb your selection bitch. is invalid. To speak to the correct advisor, you selected to go through to billing. Hello? To confirm your selection, please press the star key.
me. I fucking did me, you stupid, fucking billing stupid, department? stupid, fucking dumb bitch. Nee, I want the cancellation department. Who are you? I'm terribly sorry. I, I don't understand. Fuck's sake, look. All right, all right, my cousin, see, he's been using my phone to ring his lady, who happens to be his wife's sister, see, and he's booked this for his wife, but now it seems they've got me in the system because he's used my phone, see, and I definitely, definitely didn't want the contract on my head, right, see, so you've got to cancel it, right? Oh, for fuck's sake, man. Is that the cancellation department? What? To speak to the correct advisor, please listen carefully to the following options. Not use again, you fucking bitch. For contracts, press Hello? one. For I'm really getting rather cross two. now. I'd like to speak to the manager, please. Use a fucking angry. You try fucking talking to that sad old bitch. I- I'm a little hard of hearing. Would you speak up? I said use a fucking angry. Well, there really is no need to be so rude. I simply wish to cancel my contract. My husband has decided he doesn't want his constituents to carry the burden of the cost of can his contract. I just speak to a fucking person who can s- help me? Oh, quite. Your selection is invalid. I've just been put through to a most unhelpful adviser. Please get the actual fuck man. You see? <laughs> you hear what this woman is like? Do you know my husband is a member of Parliament? He's a fucking prick then. Would you just get off the fucking phone here and let me cancel this fucking contract? Are you just trying to kill me or what? Gladly. To speak to the correct advisor, please listen carefully to the following options. For contracts, press 1. For billing, press 2. For cancellations, press 3. You have selected the cancellation department. To confirm your selection, please press the star key. Please press the star key to proceed. If you I wish to listen the to the menu once star again, key, okay? please Can you just fucking listen, you... Sorry to keep you waiting. Our advisors appear to be busy at present. But please hold. Alternatively, for more information, you can contact us via our website greatbritaineuthanasia.com a company that prides itself in making you want to kill yourself or each other Hi, I'm Stuart Murdoch from Bell and Sebastian and you're listening to Writer's Block Radio Hour, only on Supersound Radio. Postcards from Celia by Dave Proctor My best friend Celia promised to send me a postcard every day whilst she was on a cruise. Her nephew and his wife treated her to the cruise. They said she should get out more and meet new people, but I suspect that she would just curl up with a good book on a deck chair and mope around David and his wife, worrying about everything. The funny thing is she didn't actually want to go. She was scared of being on a ship in the ocean and frightened that she was going to be seasick the whole holiday. Well, she is a bit of a worrier. Now, I should explain that whilst I love Celia to bit, she never married and, as far as I know, never even had a boyfriend. She's a bit of a shrinking violet. She would not say boo to a goose. I'm sure she wouldn't mind if I read her postcards out to you. Dear Joyce, 
Well, what a wonderful start to the cruise. I was upgraded. I have my own luxury suite, a maid that cleans and makes my bed, and a butler as well. Would you believe the first afternoon he delivered champagne to my suite? Then yesterday, chocolate-covered strawberries. I dine in the private dining room, but my David and his wife have to eat in the, with the hoi polloi. The ship is really smooth, and apart from feeling a bit squiffy after drinking all that champagne, I have not felt sick at all. I could not write yesterday as we were at sea and could not get to a post box, but I promise to write to you every day from now on. We are in Marseille this morning, then tonight I am dining with the captain. David was upset that he was not invited and merely remarked that he did not want to eat with the driver anyway. Anyway, I must go. Victor is taking me out for lunch today. Your best friend, Celia. Hmm, I wonder who Victor is. Dear Joyce, well, yesterday was great fun. Marseille is not that nice, but the restaurant was so romantic and the food wonderful. I had some lovely seafood with a lovely bottle of rosé wine, which Victor chose, of course. My butler, Marco, brought me lovely canapes when we got back. Dinner with the captain was very nice. He is so charming. Him and Victor got on so well. We're just docked in Italy, a city called La Spezia. Then tonight we're going to see a show on board. As I'm in a suite, I get to sit in a private box. I haven't seen David and his wife. I wonder if they're having a good time. Anyway, I must go. Victor is at the door. Your best friend, Celia. She still has not told me who Victor is. Dear Joyce, La Spezia was lovely and the show was as good as you would get on Broadway. Victor and I had the box to ourselves and they served us champagne. It was marvellous. I saw David and his wife before the show. They were sat at the back of the theatre. I waved, but they did not wave back. I feel a bit put out. This morning we are docking in the nearest port to Rome. Victor has arranged a private limousine tour of Rome. Just for the two of us and we have tickets for the Vatican. Must go a busy day, your best friend Celia. She still has not told me who Victor is. Dear Joyce, Rome was wonderful. Victor was such a gentleman. I wonder how David and his wife are. We are docking in Naples today and Victor is taking me for lunch to a little place he knows on the island of Capri. Bye for now, Celia. Dear Joyce, having a lovely holiday, Mahon today, Best wishes, Celia. Dear Joyce, back in Barcelona now, and Victor has asked me to marry him. I said yes, and I'm going to live with him in Switzerland. Say hello to David and his wife when you see them. I hope they had a good holiday. Celia. Okay, so, it was an easy mistake to make, it's not your fault, when I said turn left you did, a bit sharper than I intended, I meant the next junction, but it's not your fault, I should have specified, are you okay, Mrs. Nicholson, right, 
too scared to speak. That happened to me once up a chairlift. Froze. Thought if I spoke I was going to drop straight into the gully. Of course, it wasn't quite like this. Uh, two front wheels teetering precariously over the edge of a... No, 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 don't move. Don't be scared. It's all under control. The back wheels are fine. And it's only a bit of the front wheels with no earth below. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Oh, dear God, what am I going to do? It's fine. I'm just going to take it very easy. Try very gently to put her into reverse. Maybe ease your hands a wee bit off the steering wheel, Mrs. Nicholson? No? Okay. We can just go straight back as we are then. Just ease off the brakes a bit and... Ah, uh, oh, uh, yeah, a wee bit juddery there. No need to be scared. Rolling a couple of millimetres forward is neither here nor there, given our current predicament. On the other hand, just safer to press that wee bit on the brakes again, see? Not the right time for an emergency stop, but right enough. I should have slammed them on hard the minute you did that sharp left. You just took me a wee bit by surprise. So, I'm going to take her slowly in reverse. Just don't look down. Oh dear God, whatever you do, don't look down. I'll just check there's nobody behind. That ah, daft thing to say. Old habits, you know. And you... Just keep looking, staring really straight ahead. That's it. Hands on. The, your knuckles are looking a bit white. <laughs> we'll need a wrench to prise these fingers off the wheel, eh? <laughs> I'll just get us ready. Best make sure we're in reverse, eh? <laughs> Sorry. Always try to crack a joke for the nerves, you see. Force of habit. Not that I've ever done this before, but no need to worry. Simple manoeuvre. Here we go, and back and back. Don't look down, we're moving back and back, and nearly there, back in the front wheels, back on terra firma. <sighs> so, Mrs. Nicholson, how do you feel about a reschedule? Mrs. Nicholson? Mrs. Nicholson! The Cavity by D. Lee Miller, a posh dentist's office. Of course, a full waiting room, which is why I've been known to change my dentist for one with a good magazine selection. Julia recommended this dentist. Sometimes, like now, when the magazine I simply must read, the cover story is The Divorce of the Season, is being read by the model wannabe in the corner 
Well, I could just scream. Did you ever notice how men keep all the friends in a divorce? Sometimes I like to look around the waiting room and wonder if the grimaces on their faces are due to pain or if they naturally look like that. In other words, painful for them or painful for us? Honestly, Elizabeth, I could make a face, but do I? My cavity is one for the textbooks. Ah, my magazine, finally. I'll take that. Thank you. Did you see the look she gave me? Yes, I am ripping out the article. No one else is interested. I'll read it later. I'm sure there's another article for us. Well, yes. Which famous literary character are you? Oh, my, I haven't read a book since college. Are you Elizabeth Bennet or Jane Eyre? Miss Havisham? God, well, <laughs> Emma Bovary? Scarlett O'Hara? Let's do this. What do you value most in life? Could you write down my answers, dear Elizabeth? My cavity hurts. Let's see. Happiness, love, intelligence, fortune, my family. Better, why don't you write down what you think I am and what I think I am, too? That would be fun. Number one, intelligence. After all, I read for education. Two, I can't stand racists, people who ask for favors, drama queens. Bingo, drama queens. What era would you like to live in? Where is the one that I was born in? Ah, today. Are you a muggle or a wizard? A muggle, B wizard. Let me see your answer, Elizabeth. Really? Next. One word that describes yourself. A persistent, B inhuman, C introverted, D loyal, E self-centered. Oh, if you offer persistent, you should also offer unpersistent or introvert and extrovert. This is ludicrous. Although Julia takes these quizzes to heart. She said it helps her to know who she is, and Julia is a survivor. Everyone respects her. Your love life could be described as A, hot like Atlanta, B, ancient with no expectations, C, traditional appealing to your sense and sensibility, D, exciting as in northern France. Did they just call me? Did you call me? Yes, Julia did recommend me. One moment. My God, someone tore out the answer key. But I don't know who I am yet, other than the divorcee on the cover of this magazine. Who am I? Seven years in Folsom, in the hole for three. McNeil before that. McNeil is tough as they say. You looking to become a penologist? You looking to go back? 
You know, I chase down some crews, guys just looking to fuck up, get busted back. And you? You must have worked some dipshit crews. I worked all kinds. You see me doing thrill seeker liquor store holdups with a born to lose tattoo on my chest? No, I do not. Right. I am never going back. Then don't take down scores. I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best, trying to stop guys like me. So you never wanted a regular type life? The fuck is that? Barbecues and ball games? Yeah. This regular type life, that your life? My life? No, my life. No, my life's a disaster zone. I got a stepdaughter so fucked up because her real father's this large type asshole. I got a wife. We're passing each other on the downslope of a marriage, my third. Because I spend all my time chasing guys like you around the block. That's my life. Guy told me one time, don't let yourself get attached to anything. You are not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around a corner. I'm Ian Sinclair. Join me every Wednesday evening from 7 till 9 here on Super Sound Radio for two hours of the very best new and unsigned artists. The showcase show on Super Sound Radio is what your Wednesday evenings are for. Concealer by Glenn Dixon. Performed by Karen Fraser. Don't struggle so much. You're shedding the skin around your wrists. This must be painful. Is it? It's stinging a fair bit. Thrashing about like this is only going to make it worse. Those cable ties are pretty sturdy. The more you tug at them, the more they'll cut into you. I'm sorry about the makeshift gag. I had to improvise. It's an old tea towel I used to clean out the fish tank. <laughs> there might be a wee bit of a funky aftertaste. Maybe you'd prefer some gaffer tape. I have this. Just with the adhesive nature of the cloth tape, it might cause havoc with your beard. Okay. We'll stick with the tea towel for the time being. Keep breathing. Through your nose. In and out. Don't want you hyperventilating or blacking out. Not just yet. I need your complete and undivided attention. Am I right in thinking that Amy has gone to stay with her mum for the weekend? Won't be back until late Sunday night? Good. Perfect. Now. How long have we lived next door to one another? Eight, nine years? Maybe ten? It's a long time to be neighbours, eh? 
We've grown accustomed to each other's little habits and practices. I mean, the walls are pretty flimsy. Plasterboard, more like tissue paper. We can hear everything. Your little squabbles and rants. The screaming and shouting. The sobbing and the making up. Lots of making up, eh? The big grand gestures. I see you coming down the drive with the gifts. The wine and roses. Cap in hand, looking all sheepish. Begging her not to leave you. Not to tell her brothers. Not to go to the police. Saying that this will never happen again. How it wasn't your fault. How she pushed you too far. How you just don't know your own strength. I've seen you carry her into the car. I've witnessed the bruises and beatings, the bandages and black eyes, lots of cover-up makeup and concealer. I've got a joke for you. You'll appreciate this. Woman goes to her doctor. She's battered and bruised. Her face is swollen. She says, I don't know what to do. Every day my husband uses me as a punching bag, taking his temper out on me. He kicks and throws me around the house like I was a rag doll. I'm frightened that one day he's going to go too far and actually kill me. The doctor contemplates this, and then he tells her that he has a cure for this. When it seems that your husband is getting angry, he says, just take a glass of water and start swishing it in your mouth. Just swish and swish, but don't swallow it until he either leaves the room or calms down. The woman tries to understand how this can help save her life. She asks him, Do I pour the water on him to calm him down? Or do I use the glass as a weapon in order to prevent a further assault? The doctor chuckles and says, The glass of water itself does nothing. It's keeping your mouth shut that does the trick. (laughs) Do you like that? I can see a wee glint of recognition in there. It's okay, Alec. I believe... The anger is a natural reaction that is built into our nervous systems. It's a survival mechanism to help us stay safe. But here's the breakthrough bit. You don't have to give in to it to be a victim of your own violent temper. (coughs) There are ways to curb this automatic behaviour of yours. Habits are learned and anything you can learn, you can unlearn or relearn. Everybody needs help. Sometimes you need a more direct, hands-on approach to find the right tools. And guess what? I have them. Right here. I'm Not Soft, 
written by Vicky Wilde, based in Lincolnshire, performed by Max Dickinson, based in Bromsgrove. It's the first day of my GCSEs. Summer heat bursts in through my bedroom window. My sister knocks on the door, says, Time to rise and shine! As if I didn't know. Why does she have to act all cheerful? All the time! Yeah, I heard! As I was awake already, not slept much really. All night, I played lesson recordings off my phone, hoping that the algebra would just enter my head by some kind of miracle osmosis. It was a bit weird lying next to the sound of Miss Bell, to be fair. It gave me some weird dreams. Yeah, let's let's not go there. Right, it's on. I've got this. Clear pencil case? Check. School uniform? Check. Protractor? Check. It's maths, non-calculator. The easy one, supposedly. But they don't exactly ease you in gently, do they? Just BAM! Get in that exam hall because your entire future depends on it! Top marks, level 9, here I come! Or A-star, as my mum keeps calling it, from back in the day. And don't get my granddad started. Your O-levels are a rite of passage, lad. Academia runs in this family. Save me from having to work in the factories or become some lazy layabout. He says, I'm not a lazy layabout. I just wish I'd been able to take art. I want to paint and do cool stuff like that. But parents said no. No soft subjects. Said I was too good for them. I haven't revised. And I'm not just saying that to be like those people who pretend they haven't and then they go on to score 100% or something daft. Like my stupid sister. I really haven't. No cue cards, no post-it notes, no overflowing ring binders, nothing. My sister made us a revision calendar with carefully timed 10 minute breaks every hour of the day, but I just couldn't face it. Mum got us highlighters in every colour you could imagine. I just coloured in a giant rainbow with them. Felt better after that, and my bedroom is swarming with CGP guides, AQA guides, every kind of guide basically. No excuse really, my brain just said no, but gotta make everybody proud. Why does this world do this to us, this feeling, this stress? It's half eight, I'm at the bus stop, it's getting real. Watching people mutter formulae to themselves and constantly checking their notes, it's a mad sight. Jono's biting his nails. He never does that. Sister stares at me, wondering why I'm not doing the same. She needs to get off my case, focus on her own life. Okay, great. The bus is here. Oh, no seats again. Standing room only. Fast forward to the queue for the exam hall. Everyone lined up in our bottle green boxy blazers. Like soldiers going into battle. There's a deafening silence. Except for that big clock on the wall. Tick, tick, ticking away. Two minutes to. One minute to. I'm going to go to the toilet. My sister grabs my arm, but I tell her to get off. My hands are shaking. Why won't they stop? The heat is getting to me. Then our headmaster stops me in my tracks. He places his heavy hand on my shoulder and booms. Ready for the big day, Leon? Yep. I reply. He looks at me a second too long before waltzing off proud as a peacock and parades along the line, delighting in the sordid suspense. And just when it all starts to get too much, I see it. A lifeline. 
It's a fire exit wide open, the door swinging back and forth, back and forth with a cool breeze wafting in. It's calling me. Almost musical. And I look back at the others. The fear is all over their faces. Miss Bell collects their phones. Really can't look at her the same way anymore. We should be out right now, experiencing things, learning and living life. Quick, headmaster's walking back this way. It's like he can read my mind. There's a pit in my stomach. I stare back at the door. It's now or never. That's it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make a run for it. Emanating from Scotland, Canada and the USA, old school comprised veterans of the punk, reggae, EDM and poetry scenes. Vocalist Graham Campbell, a Glasgow City councillor, will also be remembered from the TV series Slavery, Scotland's Hidden Shame. Sadly, old school's governor, the BAFTA winning poet Fullertone, passed on to a higher realm in late 2020. He's lovingly dedicated to him. Welcome to the party. Old is cool. Old cool. Oh yeah. This music. These beats. Oh yeah. Old, old cool. Check, check. Check, check. Check, Our brain has a natural chemical response to the cell phone. It's the release of a chemical in the brain called dopamine. Dopamine is the chemical that's responsible for our seeking. So we look for something and we find it and we get a dopamine release. And we look for something else and we get another dopamine release. This is what's known as, again, the dopamine loop. Again, the dopamine loop. Again, the dopamine loop. Again, the dopamine loop. It turns out that everything about this technology is designed to rope us in. From the alert that it emits to the amount of text you can see on the screen. And we buy into it because we've become information seekers. Information seekers. Dopamine is the exact same chemical that makes us feel good when we smoke, when we drink, and when we gamble. In other words, it's highly, highly addictive. Alcohol is not bad. Too much alcohol is bad. Gambling is fun. Too gambling much is gambling fun. is dangerous. Is dangerous. and you don't have any versus when you do. Elated, valued, kind of important. If you wake up and you check your phone before you say good morning to your girlfriend, boyfriend, or spouse, you have an addiction. And like all addiction, in time it'll destroy relationships. Destroy relationships. It'll make your life worse. Worse. How do you feel when you drive away and you realize you've left your cell phone behind? No mophobia. No mobile phone phobia. Anxiety that we feel when we don't have our cell phone or when you don't have communication. Check, 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 check
found guilty of crimes contrary to the well-being of this community and are about to be duly punished in a befitting manner. There's nothing befitting about it. We have done nothing except to refuse to obey you as you are not fit for your office. Well, Hunter, you are now about to become the hunted. Well, don't worry. We'll give you a head start. Are you all just going to stand by and let this happen? Wes? Are you? Well, you shouldn't have done what you did. We just want to return to the old ways of decency and humanity. Enough of this. What use are lesbians to us anyway? We need women to breed. You're insane! If I were you, I'd start running very soon. Because in two minutes, we release the dogs. On your mark. Get set. Go! Come on, Hunter. Keep running. The dogs will be on us soon. I can't see properly in this rain. If we reach the forest, we might be able to lose them. Come on! Looks like you're going to lose your bet, Wes. They're not going to make it past the old road. Well, it's hardly surprising in all that mud. Maybe you should have given them more of a head start. We don't want them getting away. But what if they make it to the forest then? You know people don't like going in there anymore. <gasps> Superstitious nonsense. Anyway, that's not likely. Has Hunter's fallen over again? Come on, Hunter, get up! Don't stop! Keep running! It was about time we crushed that particular rebellious partnership. Oh, Hunter's managed to start running again. You almost sound like you want them to escape. Well, do you? No, Mum. Don't look back, Hunter! Just run! 
Chasing the Past, Wes was played by Glenn Dixon and Quinn by Karen Fraser. Luna was played by Ariana Ram Kalawan and Hunter by Vicky Wilde. It was written and produced by Benjamin Peel. Hello, Peter Moon here. From Govan Hill. The Govan Hill in Glasgow is Scotland's most diverse, most cosmopolitan neighbourhood. It's also the weirdest, and that's where I come in. So stay calm, breathe deeply. This is not the Govan Hill Chainsaw Massacre. Instead, this one is called A Nightmare on Calder Street. Strolling along Victoria Road one morning, whistling a tune, kicking a stone, looking for fun and feeling groovy. Behold, a young fellow sitting at a table outside a grocery store strumming a guitar, bringing chords to the masses, us shivering, rat-infested chords. I mean, it's like that round my house anyway. I see his socks, odd socks, one yellow, one red. My feet almost cross the road towards him, but they don't. They keep walking instead. Mind your own business. Why get annoyed? Just a daft kid. What harm is he doing? But I feel something rising inside. You know, like that infinite wasteland of pain and disease, unbearable torment and uncontrollable fear. I mean, it's like that round my house anyway. What if he's only here because it's cheap? And what if it's only cheap because we are poor? I start thinking about imperialism, cultural imperialism. People coming to our shores to enlighten us with their better ways. How will our children look back on us? And what if our grandparents could see us now? I think of my own clothes. Terry toweling socks. Three for a pound. Gents sports socks. Then I remember out of date men. Shouting at clouds. I had this urge to go over and tweak his nose or ruffle his tousled mop of floppy hair. But I didn't. Of course I didn't. I would never do that. What do you take me for? Some kind of working class savage. So I keep walking. Stay calm. Clear your mind. That's it. Must watch Apocalypse Now when I get home. I've been thinking about it for ages.
Angel on High by Vivian C. Lermond. Performed by Kristen Green and Samantha Stark, Columbus, Ohio. dear i'm being followed did you see them did you get a good look Uh, no but it was a man the footsteps were heavy clunky a young girl like you should never be out on high street in the dead of night i work the late shift why look at you you're shaking come in come in i'll fix you a nice cup of chamomile tea always works to calm frayed nerves Sit anywhere, but do mind the cats. Have you rung up the police? My mobile died. I forgot to charge it. I don't have a fancy phone. Just the usual kind. No matter. What good would it do to call the cops? To let them know that there's a stalker out there. The cops don't like this part of town. They'll just be happy to tell you there's nothing they can do and then slip in some sly bit about you having a fit of female imagination. (laughs) Come, have some tea. Thank you. You've been very kind, Ms. My friends call me Angel. Well, you sure have been my angel tonight. Thank you for opening your door to me. I'm Miranda. A lovely name. Old-fashioned. Oh, and where are my manners? You must be hungry. I wouldn't want to impose. The tea was lovely, but I'll just use your phone to call an Uber and I'll be on my way. Nonsense. You could use a bit of food to quell your fears. Give an uptick to your equilibrium. Really, I- I've some lovely biscuits, fresh from the market yesterday. They're in my pretty blue tin in the cupboard just at the end of the cellar stairs. My arthritis has been giving me fits. Would you be a nice girl and fetch them for me? Oh, yes, I'd be glad to. But really, I must call the- Thank you, dear. Did you find the blue tin, Miranda? Still looking. She's just down there, son. Her name is Miranda. You picked a pretty one this time. Angel? Hello? The door seems to be stuck. Angel?
You've been listening to Cliffhanger, an extended episode of Writer's Block Radio Hour. Tonight you heard Glenn Dixon, Karen Fraser, Vivian Lamond, Tony Vale, Jen Gray, Stephanie McGill, Benjamin Peel, Dealey Miller, Dave Proctor, Wayne Jay, Horner Burden, Vicky Wilde, Amy Brown Boats, Peter Moen, Barbara Ashworth, Karen Proctor, Paul Gruber, David Bates, Max Dickinson, Ariana Ramkalawan, Kristen Green, Samantha Stark, with music from Old School. Writer's Block Radio Hour was curated and engineered by Glenn Dixon. Don't forget to join us on the 28th of April for our next episode, only on Super Sound Radio.